On this episode of Rising Week, we take a look at the new TCL QLED and the content available for it, looking at wireless audio and when to do it and when not, and AV over IP and the network in the home. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 237, recorded Monday, August 17th, 2020. Application Conversation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment, and by Access Networks. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at the residential audiovisual space. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, I'm not Matt Scott. Uh, he's taller and more handsome than I am, but I'm older. So I don't know if that makes it me wiser or what. Uh, with me uh, to talk about all things uh, residential AV, first and foremost, my buddy and pal, Mr. Jason Knott from CE Pro. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely, absolutely. And also uh, a young man that I met a number of years ago, one of our, our, our fantastic uh, sponsors and underwriters, Hagai Feiner from Access Networks. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, let's kick this off here with a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, actually, it's, it's a story that came uh, from Jason's uh, CE Pro, how AV over IP is influencing the home and office audio. Now, this is written by Brad Price, and Brad goes into talking about how a number of folks, I would say the majority of not just Americans, but folks uh, outside the U.S. are working from home and how that's impacting what some of this is doing. Now, uh, Jason, on this, talk for a second about the residential dealer and what they're having to do now to both put audio and video on the network and, and how that's honestly not stressing the, the networks, but showing uh, signs where they can upgrade and a- increase, you know, not just revenue, but also come back in and, and do another touch on, on their clients. Yeah, it, it sounds like, it sounds like a broken record here, but we've been talking about this ever since the pandemic hit that, you know, I talked to a dealer, I was down visiting a dealer last week, actually. And he said the first month and a half when the pandemic hit, every call was exact words were network, 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 network. Yeah. Uh, and he's a big access network guy, uh, too, by the way, a guy. So the opportunity to upgrade the network when the kids are home now schooling, the uh, parents are home working from home, you're stuck at home streaming audio, streaming video. Uh, it's a no-brainer for the integrator. And if they don't upgrade the network, then the performance for all the other uh, things I just mentioned, audio, video, and even control, like voice. We had a conversation, Hagai and I uh, had a conversation about the um, effects of voice and how much more poorly that performs if you have a non-enterprise network. And I think I think I saw Hagai tweeted something out saying, forget the, this term, residential network. There shouldn't even be that term. It should be, everything should be an integrate, enterprise-grade network. So yeah, it has been the primary focus for integrators since the pandemic hit and deservedly so. Yeah. Well, Hagai, let's, let's go, go to that tweet and then we're going to touch on something else here, but, but why should every network be an, an, be an enterprise network when, you know, I can, I can run to a box store and, and buy a $20 wireless router that also has, you know, several pieces of connectivity in the back and I can run five or six devices. Well, I think we all know cheap ain't cheap, right? Uh, so, so that would be point number one. 
But I think nowadays, beyond uh, the, the perils of box store type gear, the homeowners that we're dealing with have a lot less tolerance for you coming back to fix things that are not working or for things not working at all. But especially when an integrator has to get involved physically and show up at the site, I don't want anyone in my house if they don't have to go there. Um, and so there is less tolerance on the homeowner part. We've seen it, you know, everything that Jason just mentioned is showing up on, you know, on our back end, if you will. Uh, we're seeing a lot more movement when it comes to systems. Not only is access growing, but specifically the custom business of access is growing because integrators know that there is an expertise here, for example, that they don't have in-house and we can deliver a system that they can then go deploy and they don't have to go back into that house in most cases, unless there are some extreme things that are, that are happening in that household that we don't have any control over. Um, and so the combination of the hardware, along with the expertise of the engineering department design, uh, is really what's driving that business across the board. And I think, you know, looking back at Brad Price's article, he wasn't really talking about the network. We're addressing it at Access on the network front. But he was talking about the audio gear. Uh, specifically in the home uh, and specifically when it comes to video conferencing and I can tell you you know right now you're listening to me in a room that hasn't been tuned in any way for acoustics uh, and I'm using a Logitech uh, camera with a, a microphone built into it it's not the best experience you and I can have on this conversation who is that integrator that's going to come and upgrade my system or potentially engage us as a company with 40 or 40 something team members and look at upgrading all their homes. No one really engaged us. We're a client of some uh, commercial integrator that I will not mention here. They haven't called me and said, hey, do you want to upgrade your team members' home systems? Let us ship you a package with, you know, with an upgraded camera and an upgraded microphone. And no one's ever had that conversation with me. I think the integration channel is relatively asleep when it comes to the actual experience of the, if you will, Zoomers. There's a huge opportunity here. Um, and of course, all of it is driven by the network, but we can't forget the actual AV gear that we're using here. Uh, perfect example from Access Networks is we have our CFO working from home. She's a young mother. Um, pandemic kind of forced her to stay at home. She wasn't coming to the office that much before but she had the most terrible setup. So she had a network that was lagging. Uh, none of our conversations were good. I couldn't hear her. She would truncate. She would sound like digital, like she's in the matrix somewhere. Uh, we forced her to replace her network. And actually across the board, we, that triggered a forced uh, replacement for everybody to replace their networks at home to access networks. Um, and that solved her connectivity problem. But guess what? Her speakers are, next to her laptop and the microphone she's, used, she's using is built into her laptop. And constantly when she speaks, there's an echo. What do you do with that? Why, you know, we're spending so much money on infrastructure. The amount of time we lost with this uh, young lady working, trying to work from home and people not understanding her on calls, it, you can't even equate that to whatever the cost of a new setup would be. And so I can totally see why this article was put together. I, I commend Brad Price for saying, hey, um, if it's not enterprise grade, it's not good enough. And I think uh, in the industry, I know that the industry is revisiting this on a networking platform. 
but it's also time to revisit this on an AV communication platform. All right, uh, Mr. Knott, that, that brings up a question that, that oddly enough, I asked on, on my show, AV Week, last week. Who's going to do this? And there's a reason I ask this, because what you're talking about, at least in the States, other parts of the world, the, the, the residential and the commercial lines kind of, kind of meld together. That's why ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, has been such a successful show. It's, it's got both elements, right? Here in the States, though, those have been two lines that have not been crossed very much. Who's, who's going to do it? Is it going to be the residential folks that say, let me get my hands on some commercial grade gear and just like a guy said, put in, put in, you know, quality, you know, soundproofing and, um, you know, auto echo canceling, you know, DSPs, or is it going to be the commercial folks who go, you know what, my clients are now at home. Let me go in, into the home and help them. Well, let me see. Since I'm the editor of CE Pro, I'm going to say the residential guys are going to do it. Um, but here's why, you know, I've spoken with, you know, RTI, URC, Crestron. These are companies that are actively using the term resimercial in their yep. conversations. And I can remember specifically meeting um, with Crestron a while back and they were showing me some of this conferencing gear. And at, this is before the pandemic. This was in January. And they were actually, they told me, that almost all of the commercial corporate office projects that were fewer than five boardrooms were being done by residential integrators, not commercial integrators, wow. because the jobs are too small for the big commercial guys. So um, it's a huge opportunity. These guys need to be carrying it over. The Resimercial, what, we're, we actually have a tag on CE Pro called Resimercial. If anybody wants to check it out, CE Pro Resimercial, it's right up on the main nav bar. And it's exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about here. All right, very good. Uh, next story actually comes to us from Residential Systems, talking about wireless. Uh, and uh, he, he talks about the five myths of wireless. Wired audio, quote unquote, sounds better. Uh, Bluetooth is the only way to do wireless audio effectively. Wireless audio suffers from causes and interferences. We can go on and on. Hagai, we'll start with you on this. Um, you run uh, a, a networking company. Um, is wireless audio, uh, I'm not going to say viable, but is it, is, it, is it ready for prime time? Should it be deployed you know, um, across the network or across the home? Well, let me give you the attorney answer. It depends. Right? So it depends on the environment. All right. But I, and I would say, you know what, let's, let's uh, back this up. Even if you're on an island with no interference, you're still going to have interference from the Wi-Fi system installed in your house. Um, if you look at the way Wi-Fi operates, Bluetooth conflicts with 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. WISA, the, the alliance, uses part of the 5 gigahertz spectrum that we use on our Wi-Fi systems. I know they say it's DFS and maybe we're not using that part of 5 gigahertz. But I can tell you, admittedly, every single system that ships out of this office and our eastern office from Access Networks to an integrator to a homeowner has those channels turned on, which means when you turn on our Wi-Fi system and you turn on a WISA system in the house, they will immediately collide effectively because we're going to use the same channels. So my advice on audio, use it when you, on wireless audio, use it when you absolutely need it. And there is no other choice. For me in my house, hardwire this stuff and I never have to deal with it again. 
Uh, I'm not against wiring things. I think that every time that we've wired something, uh, especially when it comes to audio and high performance audio, I don't know how you get away with Wi-Fi. There will always be, even if someone argues against it, there's always gonna be a slight delay for that transmission to get from the source to the destination. So I know maybe it's something that's maybe your, your brain won't notice because that transmission is so fast. But again, any interference, any type issue, and you're gonna feel it. It's never gonna happen with, with a hardwired audio system. Uh, so that's just you know, one man's opinion. Jason, uh, Hagai makes a really good point. Not only that, but you've also got the selling off of, of several frequencies. Uh, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox about the FCC and how many frequencies that they've gotten rid of in the last 20 years, I think. Um, but what are some of the, you know, you, you start looking at this, not just from a technology standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. You know, yes, you can put in, you can deploy a wireless system relatively quicker. But why, when, you, when you're looking at it from a, an infrastructure standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, would you want to do wire or wired over wireless or wireless over wired? That's funny. We just did a multi-room audio deep dive a few months back and overwhelmingly integrators still prefer to put in hardwired multi-room audio systems. And the big reason is a business reason. They charge labor for pulling the wire. And, you know, once you bring in the audio system, it, it is easier to deploy or a wireless system. It's easier to deploy you're, you're eliminating a source of revenue for these guys. Now, is wireless here to stay and is it growing? I, I point back to, I think it was a statistic that uh, Sonos put out after April that the listening hours were up 40 some odd percent um, for, among homeowners of Sonos systems during the month of April for the pandemic. So people are listening to audio at home more than ever before right now. So again, it goes back to our networking conversation. As a guy said, if the network stinks at the home, you're still going to have trouble with no matter how, what kind of wireless system you're putting in. So now I think that the, there's a big compelling business reason for the integrator to still want to pull wire. All right. Very good. Sometimes it's Sonos that sucks. You know, it has nothing to do with the network. <laughs> That's a guy finer at access. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it could be the music too. <laughs> it could. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. I can't, you know, <laughs> I, I still listen to freaking sting for crying out loud. You know, that's what I got. All right, here we go. Res tech today, everybody, uh, Jeremy Glowacki and Michael Heist, the gentleman who owns the brightest and most colorful, um, jacket on the show floor of Cedia that we unfortunately will not be able to see this year. So maybe he, maybe he'll, maybe Michael will post pictures of himself that week. Oh, that'll be um, he's talking about an interesting um, new display here from TCL. Uh, it is called QLED. Um, and it is a combination of uh, mic micro or mini, I'm sorry, mini LED uh, backlight uh, with an LCD panel. And, and uh, Jason, I'm going to start with you on this. When we start looking at, at the technology in, in displays, uh, I am a big fan of OLED just because I'm also a big fan of plasma, which no longer exists. That's a different type of technology. It's emissive technology instead of transmissive technology really quickly, uh, not to get too geeky on you, but emissive means that you're creating the color. I mean, that, 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 that the colors are brighter, they're deeper, the blackers are black, the redders are red. Transmissive and really simply, it, that is a electronic version of a stained glass window, meaning you have a light behind it, right? And it passes through, the, the colors aren't quite as dark, quite as deep, quite as, as, as contrast. 
personal opinion there between the two technologies. And just to round it off, reflective is what you get when a projector hits the screen and comes back to you. So now that we've got all those, those three, you start looking at the technologies that are out there, uh, Jason, and what's coming down the pipeline. Um, OLED has been promised for years, at least 20 years, right? Still not quite there. And then we start getting these kind of sort of almost uh, not really coming down the pipeline as well. When we look at TCL or anybody else, when they start talking about newer technologies and, and the, the dealers need to get themselves ramped up on it because some, some client somewhere is going to read this on your site or on somebody else and go, okay, what's the difference? Or I want this and why do I want this? So how do they educate themselves and really provide value uh, as they're having these conversations about the different types of technologies? Well, first of all, what you just described there with reflective and transmissive is way too complicated for most homeowners. You just glazed over 99% of, of integrators' clients. What I believe the integrator needs to do is really, the conversation needs to be based upon the application. So, for example, if the customer is talking about they're into gaming, you know, that, that then that's when the integrator says, I believe we're better off with QLED technology because it has a better backlighting capability if you play esports in your um, your gaming room or in your living room or in your great room. It needs to be brought down to the, the application conversation because you guys remember the Best Buy commercials uh, that they ran about seven or eight years ago where they had the, the guy in the black cat suit that walked in and the customers walked into the custom integrator's showroom and he overwhelmed them with technology speak and then they of course turned and the next uh conversation was with a kind-hearted blue shirt from uh best buy who was explaining it in a nice friendly way that's what you got to do you really have to i think bring the conversation down to the application level and not get too complicated with the customer but the integrator does need to educate himself. Don't get me wrong. The integrator needs to know all this, but in terms of how he explains this to the customer, he can't get too complicated. All right. Hi, Guy. Um, how do you take, whether it's networking or it's something like this, this different types of, of display technology, how do you take that from, you know, yes, the integrator needs to know all of it, but then they need to, to take it down to where the, the, the customer lives and, and can understand it. So how do we, how do we synopsize this and, make, and put it into bite-sized pieces? That is a good question. I will tell you this. I'm in the process of now constructing a new home here in Santa Monica and our integrator came with all of the bells and whistles and the tech language. And even for me, knowing what I know, we had to dumb it down because there is so much detail that could go into this. And the conversation is not revolving around QLED or OLED. It's really, you know, what are you using the room for? Um, and what you know, like it or not, what does your wife want in the end of the day for this to look like? What would she allow? Can we have a subwoofer in the corner of the living room or does it need to be in wall? And of course it's going to be an in wall. But I think that these details sometimes distract from the ultimate bottom line. And the, the conversation should be one of reverse, not the integrator sharing all these details with the homeowner, but really the homeowner sharing with the integrator what it is that they want to do with the house. So for us, priority has been lighting. That's actually the biggest line item on our uh, bid right now, which is uh, LED lighting, that's tunable lighting, 
Second one is uh, audio. We want audio everywhere. And not just audio that, you know, with speakers that bottom out because they're in the ceiling without a back box, but we went over those details too. How do you enclose those speakers in the ceilings? Because ultimately that's what I care about as a homeowner. What TV am I gonna have? You can put up a TCL against the Sony and a Samsung and some other brand, and I can tell you, looking at it as a personal preference, I'm gonna go personally for the Sony. That's just me. I like that picture. And so, you know, what content are you gonna be watching, right? Is it gaming? Is it streaming? In our house, mostly streaming. Uh, my girls really don't know the difference between one TV or another, but ultimately the integrator is gonna be the one guiding us down the path after interviewing us as, as homeowners. So the relevance of this or that technology, you know, show me what's existing in the marketplace. Everybody talks about tomorrow's product. I can't drive a Cybertruck cyber today, right? So I need to go buy a, a Ford F-150 because that's what I can put my hands on now. Same thing with this technology. It could be new, it could be up and coming. If I asked an integrator the difference, they would probably just say, hey, this is uh, technology that's not available yet, or it's available on some TV, TVs, but not the rest of them. Uh, what about the content, right? The biggest debate is where's the content coming from uh, to support all of these new technologies. And so for us, you know, if, if we can get the best quality we can out of uh, Netflix and out of Disney Plus, we'll, we will be very happy. But at the same time, if my system, uh, my audio system at home is not causing the neighbors to call the police, I'm not happy. But that's just me as a homeowner. It's a personal choice, right? That, that, is, that is quite the light so, item, yes. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, just to put kind of uh, what Hagai was saying in a, in a bigger perspective, what he just discussed is why it's so important for integrators to have good, better, best solutions and everything they, they bring to the table. Uh, I know integrators who are have 8K TVs in their showrooms and they're running just the, the loop that came from Samsung because <clears throat> there isn't any other content. But guess what? That is making them sell a lot of 4K TVs because they put that thing up right next to the 4K. The price points are extraordinarily different and the customer then has no qualms whatsoever about spending for 4K. So I think a lot of it comes down with same with audio. There's so many different ways that you can put position what you're selling to the customer. And uh, you know, the, 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 the TV display conversation really is a business conversation in many cases. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually really a point about the 8K versus, versus 4K. Um, and I was saying before we started recording that Blackmagic now came out with the 12K. Uh, camera. So there's your content, a guy. Just buy a 12K camera and, you know, you can make some. So, all right. That's all we got. Uh, thank you guys so much. Mr. Higai Finer, thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. How do people get a hold of you or Access Networks? Higai at accessnetworks.com or you can find me on Twitter, Higai Finer. Right, very good. And you also find him at CD Expo in about four weeks' time, uh, cdexpo.com, I believe. Uh, Mr. Jason Knott, thank you, sir. Yeah, that'll be cdiaexpovirtual.com will be the website, cdiaexpovirtual.com. And you can find me, I hope everybody follows CE Pro, but obviously on cepro.com and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jason W. Not. Right, you should totally do that. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me uh, on the Twitter. You can follow Matt though, Matt D. Scott, I believe is his Twitter handle. 
Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, while you're there, check out our supporters section, like Access Networks. These are folks who help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others, including our coverage of Cedia Virtual 2020, uh, coming your way the 15th through the 17th of September. All that and more at avnation.tv. That is avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for Resi Week. 